to know truck stops a pack 12 podcast i'm carlos joining me live is greg at banana morphs feeling good this week reed at pack 10 reed not feeling good and I'm Carlos at Equity Born. I'm feeling very, very good. I'm, uh, I feel a little honky, actually. Oh, Not oh, honky. I smell, I smell on your Twitter. Uh, and behind the scenes is Matthew Hubertson controlling the controls. Um, thank you, Matthew Hubertson, for doing all that. What are you going to say? You guys, I have the power to mute Carlos now. Just let me know. <laughs> Praise God. Um. Anyway, we got a lot of Pac-12 stuff to talk about here, but first, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the video, comment away with your thoughts in the YouTube chat, follow us, and tweet us at No Truck Stops Pod on Twitter. Um, and of course, podcast listeners, uh, follow the show on Apple and Spotify, and importantly, please leave a five-star review. I gotta go back and check, and I didn't get to check uh, whether there were any five-star reviews left, but go do that if you haven't. And of course, we've got Pac-12 football content coming out this week. Actually, uh, we are releasing episodes on Tuesday now, but last week, Reed and I played a little game of what if. Uh, Reed, what was the weirdest result of any of our what ifs the, that, that we did last week on our Patreon? I think my favorite one was, should I reveal what caused this what if as well? No, 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 no. no. Okay, just just okay. get to the result and then let people figure out how we is, got there. Is a small decision keeping us from 12 and 1 UCLA. Chip Kelly winning a Fiesta Bowl and then leaving for an NFL job still. Yes, yes. Think about that one tiny decision that would have led us there. Um, So that was fun. We got really, really weird there. This week, uh, when we drop our new Patreon episode on Tuesday, we'll be inducting the inaugural No Truck Stops Pac-12 Hall of Fame, where we will induct 10 players from the Pac-12 era. Each of us are going to come with a few players to nominate, and uh, the catch is that all four of us will have to agree. We have to come to consensus about who gets into the Hall of Fame. No, here's my guy, here's your guy, whatever. We have to come to consensus. Uh, that's good. That's what's going to make the Hall of Fame an exclusive uh, honor. So go check that out. We'll uh, we'll do, drop that on Tuesday. You can check out our football content at uh, notruckstops.com. All right, today we've got a fun basketball episode. We'll talk about... Juju Watkins' absurd 51-point game for USC. We'll talk about Utah's massive home win over Colorado. But first, it's honking time for your boy, uh, UCLA, beating first-place Oregon 71-63 in Poly Pavilion thanks to a Herculean effort from point guard Dylan Andrews. He had 21 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, and a steal in the Bruins win. UCLA now improves to 500 on the season, uh, finally. They're 6-5 and five in Pac-12 play, putting them a one and a half games back of first place. They're 5-1 and one over their last six. We'll start with UCLA, and then we'll shift over to Oregon, the Oregon side of this one. Starting with UCLA, Greg, did you have any thoughts on uh, this performance? I know you didn't get to watch it, but... You know, just thinking about UCLA in this game and their season broadly at this point. Um, my biggest takeaway from like UCLA's renaissance recently is Dylan Andrews is finally looking like the guy that I was hoping he'd be preseason. He looks like he can really like take that mantle of McCronin's point guard. He's been so good recently. I watched the highlights of this game. Like you said, I wasn't able to watch the full game. But like twenty one four and seven, and he just looks so good defensively. Like he he's a great player, uh, and he makes UCLA fun to watch again. Like that's my takeaway with all of UCLA's recent success is 
watching UCLA. Dylan Andrews makes me want to watch them. Uh, so I've been having a great time. And so it's worth listening to your honking just a little bit if it means I get to watch that. <laughs> Reed, uh, what did you think? What were your reactions? You got to watch some of this one. Yeah, I, I was less stoked on watching this UCLA team <laughs> seemingly figure things out um, in front of basically a must-win game, it felt like, for Oregon. But anyways, on the UCLA side, uh, yeah, I think Greg is completely right. Um, Dylan Andrews coming on and kind of taking control and being that main focal point offensively has just made a lot of other things fall into place for UCLA. Um, it's yeah, made their defensive effort pay off. It's just kind of stabilized them um, in big moments. And I think particularly in this game, like that was, I mean, we've talked about it with Oregon on the other side all, all year is like, do they have a go-to guy in, you know, late in games who kind of is, comfortable stepping up and stepping into that role and that was the difference for ucla in this game is like they did have that guy down the stretch it felt like um and that just provided a little more clarity late in the game for them uh and allowed them to take it over i don't know that i'm quite as far as you are carlos uh you were saying this is what the best team in the Pac-12? I'll let you speak. For I'm yourself, gonna come down but. a little bit from that. Yes, on Twitter, I'll talk about my Twitter takes. I'll come down from a little bit, but I, I was definitely honking, and I'm still honking. I still feel high about this UCLA team, but I'll hedge. Go, you know, I, maybe you have a response to that. I I don't think that they're the best team in the Pac-12, but I think they've um, they definitely worked themselves into that tier, right? I mean, like you know, this is a road game for Oregon. Oregon isn't the best team in the Pac-12 either, probably. Like. Arizona is probably that team right now, Colorado, Utah. But I think UCLA is now in that conversation, right? Like if they go, if they play any of those teams, I think it's going to be close, except for Arizona might be close too. I mean, given the rivalry and stuff, I think most of the other ones feel like pretty coin flippy to me, obviously, depending on home road, though. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's right. So my my takes on this, uh, uh, first of all, if you want like an hour long conversation about UCLA basketball on Twitter space, we were there last night uh, as I am after almost every game. Uh, so you can check that out uh, on my Twitter account. Uh, I think it's I think it's recorded. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I was like, something ring? No, that was uh, that was Matt playing the honking sound. I'm honking. Yeah, I'm honking. I think. I will say last night I said that this that this UCLA team looks like the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Like aside from records, just who who would you pick to win games uh, on a neutral site? Um, I'm going to back down from that uh, because I I think after looking at it, after really looking after taking into account the whole thing and coming down from my high of UCLA being on a on a tear right now, I think Washington State has a, a better argument for that. Honestly, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Washington State. They look yeah. really good right now. Um, analytically, they're very good. They are beating. Uh, they, they are doing uh, a, a wonderful job. Kyle Smith has done a fantastic job of transforming that team. So I might put Washington State ahead of UCLA in the like who's the best team right now. I'd have Arizona third. Um, I I like Arizona. I think Arizona is a good team, but I also think we've seen that they have. Uh, they're a little shaky. They're kind of weird. Uh, they aren't particularly disciplined. They 
cut in and out of games. They're they're a strange team. Um, if you look at Bart Torvik's uh, T rank um, since January 14th, which is when UCLA's run started, uh, UCLA would be the 24th team in the country. Uh, Washington State would be 13th. Arizona would be something like 26th, 27th. Um, there's you know the. the analytically Washington state is, has been a better team than Arizona as well. And Washington state obviously has a win over Arizona in Pullman. Now Arizona is going to get a chance to, um, enact some revenge, uh, against Washington state. But I say all that to say UCLA is a damn good team. I think they're one of the top three teams in the PAC 12. I say they're number two. I think they have a real chance of taking over the mantle of the best team in the PAC 12. Um, and I think they have a real chance of, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say running the table, but I think making an at-light arch tournament bid. I'll say about this game in particular, Dylan Andrews, obviously you two mentioned it, uh, I think has had an incredible weekend. It wasn't just um, shutting down Jackson Shellstad, but shut down Jordan Pope a couple of nights earlier. Um, but they were getting contributions from all over the place, UCLA was. Uh, they were getting contributions from... Um, Sebastian Back, who had a great game, had some foul trouble, so he didn't get to play a ton of minutes. Lazar Stefanovic has really come into his own. We talked, you know, Greg, you've talked about Lazar Stefanovic being a role player and that sort of not fitting. He's starting to kind of now fit within Mick Cronin's system, and he's starting to have a major impact. He is a hell of a rebounder. Mick Cronin actually said something interesting was that the way that, you know, he's athletic and kind of big and, a, and is a solid rebounder and that... Um, the way Utah plays is that they just get back on defense. And so he never had a chance to showcase that. That was something he said in his postgame press conference. So kind of interesting. And yeah, he's, he's turning into, I think UCLA's best rebounder, um, by a good margin, uh, UCLA crashed the offensive boards, uh, got 11 to Oregon's eight. Um, it was a good performance all around. I think the, you know, there's a couple of things at the margins here that I'm a little worried about with UCLA in terms of, you know, the rotations, Kenny Duba got a little bit too many minutes for my liking. Um, and, uh, you know, Sebastian Mack had a lot of his time cut because he had foul trouble early on and didn't get play, get get to play for much of the first half. So things like that, we'll see how they go. But UCLA, I think, won this game like three times. I could have sworn. Like, they had a 23-5 to lead for anyone who didn't get a flow of this game. Got up to a 23-5 to lead. Um, Oregon battles back because you're not going to I, – I think it's – pretty normal for a team that's at least decent to battle back they um get to a let they cut it to 11 and then a dembona gets in foul trouble with some i don't know i guess whatever they're they're questionable but they were questionable for both teams the refereeing in this game was dog shit um and and he sits out for the final six minutes of this of this half of the first half uh, and Oregon immediately goes on a 15-2 run to end the half and take the lead at halftime. UCLA comes back, wins it again. Oregon cuts the lead. It was a very back-and-forth game. If you look at the win probability chart on Kembaum, it's it's up and down. Uh, this is a, a fun game that UCLA, for the most part, had in their favor. I don't know. Good stuff, I think, from, from UCLA. Any other thoughts about UCLA before we move on to Oregon here? Yeah. They're uh, good. They're <laughs> good. Yeah, they're good. I... I what do you? Th- well, I mean, what do y'all think? Do you think they like if you're looking at their record right now and looking at their schedule? Uh, they have to play at the Bay Area schools next week. They got to play. Uh, they host that Mountain Schools. They um, play USC at Poly Pavilion. They have to go to the Washington schools and then they host the Arizona schools to end the season. Based on that uh, and their schedule, I don't know. What would you say? How, how do you think they finish out these final nine games of the season? Any predictions? I mean. 
that is a very good schedule to finish with, I think. You win the vast majority of those games. The big things I'd be worried about are that trip up to Wazoo, um, because yep. nobody wins there. Um, and I'd be worried about hosting Arizona. But, like, getting the Mountain Schools on the road, most teams have been able to chalk that up as a win this year. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> the Not Bay most, Area I think schools. All of them? I, Colorado has, Col- has some road wins, right? They have oh they have a road win against Washington. Only one. Okay. Utah doesn't though. I don't know. Utah has no road wins. I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh yeah, I think the Bay Area schools like Cal Cal's a little feisty, but like I expect UCLA to win that game. I expect him to beat Washington. I expect him to beat ASU. And that's the biggest improvement for UCLA is we've gotten to a point where like you feel pretty confident saying yeah. they're going to beat the bad teams for sure. And mm-hmm. I'd favor them in most of the others, like hosting Arizona. Would you favor UCLA right now? I think I would. I might pick UCLA in a game <laughs> where Arizona has to go on the road and play in Bali Pavilion. Man. Uh, yeah, I think, I think this UCLA team is just the, a couple of things If people are wondering like what's changed from early on in the season to now the six game stretch. Um, number one, their confidence is back. That Utah game broke them in maybe the most beneficial way possible. We talk about teams breaking other teams. That Utah, almost that 46-point <laughs> loss to Utah in Salt broke Lake City. Utah, broke UCLA so hard they fixed them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I think that was that was true. I think that was the conversation out of, you know, from the players and the coaches was that they had just been, they they decided to come together and say, what are we doing wrong? What do we need to fix? Like, we're in dire situations here. Things had gotten worse by that point. They had just come off, I thought, was the lowest point in their season against Cal, losing to Cal uh, at home. And then they find an even deeper depth uh, with Utah and losing by 46 in Salt Lake City. Um, maybe one of the worst, I mean, that's one of the worst losses in program history. And so they hit rock, rock bottom and said, we've got to figure something out. You know, I, they, they, have to, they have to buy in. And they... They looked at that and bought in. Um, this is how Mick Cronin's team seem to go sometimes: is that they have to hit rock bottom before they before they buy in. Um, and here they are. I think that the so their confidence and their buy in. I think and the way that that gets expressed is they're taking shots. Uh, earlier in the season, uh, that UCLA team was not taking. I don't know what that bubble is. Uh, I don't know if you all see it or if it's on YouTube. This whatever I I hate uh, artificial intelligence. Um, <laughs> that that it, they're they're taking shots now. Uh, they were timid as hell about taking shots. Every single player almost, except maybe a Dembona and maybe Lazar Stefanovic. So they're actually taking open shots when they have them, and they're making them. Uh, I think that's a big one. Is they're starting to make shots. The other is that their effort and their ability to get offensive rebounds has skyrocketed. Uh, that has been. One of the biggest revelations this season is they're crashing the offensive boards. Mick Cronin loves to and talked about this in his post game press conference last night. Uh, the most important analytic that he pays attention to, in addition to deflections, um, is how many shots UCLA gets and do they get more shots than the other team? And they do that by increasing the number of offensive rebounds and increasing the number of turnovers, um, and that gets them extra possessions. Um, and for the past four games, I think they've they've done that. Maybe maybe even longer than that. So. Impressive stuff from UCLA. Uh, I'm dying to know what the rest of the season looks like. I don't know if they if they go uh, eight and one over this next stretch. I think they're going to be start. I think they may break into a bubble conversation, um, and they're and they will absolutely get a a first round buy in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, that is on the table right now. 
Um, in fact, UCLA is tied for third, um, I think, with another game to go. So hilarious, we'll hilarious that like a six and five record in conference has you one and a half games out of first place. <laughs> this is this this season, ironically, um, maybe fittingly has a lot of uh they, it has not looked like this the conference has not looked like this since 2019 2020 which is also when ucla had had its run is that you've got uh, a, a lot of like decent dish teams but nothing like that's super no one that's super fearful uh that uh you're sort of looking at being like oh they're the juggernaut they're gonna run through this it looked like arizona for a while it doesn't look like arizona anymore um so i don't know pretty weird stuff i think you're absolutely right um this is a, a weird. Reed and I have talked about this being a weird, a weird year in the league this year. Um, let's shift over to Oregon. Uh, Oregon now they lose. Uh, I had this up. They are now two and four over their last six. Reed, you talked about this as a must-win game. What what did what did that do uh, for Oregon? Did this this fuck them up. Yeah, this this pretty rough loss. Honestly, um, I mean it. It just sucks. Like Biddle comes down with a cold or whatever, a flu. I don't know. He's sick. He he was injured before. Yeah. He's sick out for this game. They get delayed going to the game because oh, we didn't even talk about that. Is staying at their hotel. <laughs> um, was it? He was staying at their hotel. I think that's yeah. I think they were at the same hotel. I thought it was like a presidential reason. motorcade or something. I, do you think Joe Biden's staying at the <laughs> Oregon team hotel? <laughs> Imagine they're just getting breakfast. <laughs> Joe Biden's there getting the continental breakfast and sees Folly Dante. Um, I don't, okay, but yes, yes, you're right. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I just this Oregon team right now. Um, it has a lot of pieces, like, but I don't know. It's just down a down Biddle, down Bartholomew, like down Mookie Cook. They've dealt with some injuries, not like catastrophic since Dante's come back, but. I think just too much for them to withstand when, as I've said, like they just don't have a guy you can count on game in and game out. You know, Shellstad like had 10 points in this one. He came on at times, but he was still 0 for 4 from 3. Cousinard's 1 for 9. So like those are the two guards we've highlighted all year as the ones that like can step up in moments and take over this team. When they're not doing that, it's like, either you just have to shoot a good percentage with all your role players or you're not winning the game. Um, and that's what happened really. Like Oregon didn't have it down the stretch. And I think they've, after building up a good start to the conference play into the year at large, like they've kind of fumbled it over the past few games um, for various reasons. I think it's, it hasn't, I don't know. It hasn't just been one thing in the, across the Utah, Arizona, and UCLA losses, but ultimately now they're probably outside the bubble, outside even like the next four out, it looks like, and trending towards needing a late season Altman March run as as they have before. Yeah, Greg, I don't know if you have any thoughts about Oregon. Just that like it's so sad to watch Oregon get decimated by injuries like this considering how good they are at their best you know like when this Oregon team has been healthy and when all the players when they've all played and when it's all clicked they have been so much fun 
with such a dominant big and then with the guards playing well, like you mentioned, Kuznard and Shellstad. But that inconsistency has hurt them even like even if they were healthy, you know, it's hard to know what they'd be on a game to game basis because of that inconsistency. Now, they'd probably be more consistent if they were healthy, but it's still it's still really hard. It's hard to win a lot of games in college basketball in a conference like the Pac-12 where most teams are like a baseline level competent, you know? We don't have irredeemable sewer monsters <laughs> like Cal this year. Uh it's it's just like it's hard to be inconsistent with your guards and win. I think that's my main takeaway uh, from from Oregon right now, even aside from the injuries. Yeah, the thing about Oregon is that, like, they uh, to to read to both of your points and, and Greg yours in particular, a fun team to watch when they were healthy um, and when they were clicking. It was they got a lot of athleticism on that team between um, Nafali Dante, Cario Quendo, who is like probably has three of the four best dunks in the back twelve this season. Kwame Evans, Brandon Rigsby, like those are all athletic players that I that I. We're having big impacts, um, and now many of them are sort of disappearing a little bit. Cario Quendo had a very quiet night. Um, Jermaine Cousinard, their leading scorer, went cold. Uh, he was he was basically non-existent. He was a non-factor, yeah, he, and I don't know that you can have your he hit his leading first score shot be a with like four minutes left in the game. He had a three, he had one three yeah. to cut it to one, and it was like okay, it's now or never. And then that was the yeah. only shot he made the entire game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was never. Yeah, yeah. he went one for nine uh, in that game. That was a brutal performance from Jermaine Cousinard. Um, and Folly Dante had a great game. I thought, he, I thought he wasn't getting whatever he wanted against UCLA's bigs, but pretty close. I thought he did a pretty good job um, against the Dembona, against Kenny Nuba, against uh, Adaimara. He was, uh, I think he was fantastic in getting positioning. He's just so much bigger and so much more experienced. And I mean, he's a big guy, uh, hulking, not just tall, but like a, a hulking guy. Um, and he did a fantastic job there. Um, Jackson Shellstad is the other one where it's like, he kind of goes through these moments where he cuts in and out of games and, he was he was quiet in much of this one. I mean, we kind of have gone back and forth around is Jackson Shellstad the best player on this Oregon team? And I think he's just a little too inconsistent for us to say that he is. Um he has moments where he looks like it and he's a freshman, you know, he's a true freshman. I don't think I don't know how much you can expect uh him to be a, the consistently best player on this team, but they need him. They need him to be good. They need him to create. Uh, they need him to score. They need him to hit shots. He went 0 for 4 from 3 tonight, uh, last night. And so this was this was the end result. I don't know. Oregon has, um, I, I think Oregon has a tough path to the tournament uh, at 8.50 p.m. I'm not sure if he included um, if he included the UCLA-Oregon result. I mean, the game wasn't even over no, by then, I don't, so probably not. If you're not. talking about Lenardi, he didn't. Lenardi, Joe Lenardi, yeah. Uh, right he, Before the game ended, he had Oregon in the next four out, second to last. They're probably getting into that uh, next you know, line there. So their tournament chances are slowly, slowly dimming, um, which is which is you know wild to say for an, another season where Oregon doesn't make the NCAA tournament would be would be brutal. The schedule is honestly manageable, though. Um, like they already have the mountain trip out of the out of the way. They don't play the LA schools mm-hmm. again. It's the Washington schools at home, at Oregon State, at the Bay Area schools. Which, as far as road trips go, like that's that's the best you're going to get probably. Um, and then uh, Oregon State back home, the mountain schools at home, and one road game in Arizona. Uh, you know, switch in those, but like. Oregon's going to be favored in 
a lot, if not like all those games, except at Arizona. So per Kempom, they're favored in every single one except Arizona. Right. So uh, there is a shot to kind of turn this around. And obviously Altman's done that before, but I don't know. It's it's just a bummer because there is potential here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of interesting. Not not uh, Pac-12 related, but did y'all see the Gonzaga situation last night? No. No? I did no. not. <laughs> Well, Gonzaga's uh, pretty much they're they're also and Lenardi's they're on the first four out. They're not expected to make the tournament at this point. They don't have an. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but they lost to St. Mary's, and Gonzaga fans were throwing all kinds of trash at the court because of some refs. Um, yeah, it was, it was a whole scene. It was Gonzaga fans are crumbling right now. They're down <laughs> so bad. Hey, St. Um, Mary's, that's a proxy win for Utah. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. That's that's yeah, they're, they're moving up in the world there. Uh St. Mary's now up to 28. So good for good for St. Mary's doing a little uh West Coast Conference basketball discourse here on the Pac-12 uh, basketball podcast. Anyway, uh we'll see where where Oregon goes from here. Uh they've got a lot of shit to figure out. Man, they might need to get close, damn close to winning out uh, to make a tournament. We'll see. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be re- really interesting. Um, okay, let's move on to this next game here. Utah beat Colorado in Salt Lake City, seventy three to sixty eight, thanks to another brilliant performance from point guard Davon Smith. Uh, he had seventeen points, eleven rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and a block. In the win, he was all over the place. Um, Utah now improves to six and five in Pac-12 play, tied with UCLA and Colorado. But importantly, uh, what they get for now, at least, is a quad one win. Greg, what did you think of Utah? You have to start with Davon Smith. He's just been so good since Raleigh Wooster went down. Like I thought that was going to be a very hard injury for Utah to recover from, and I still think it has been. Like maybe with Raleigh, they get a couple road wins at this point. But Davon Smith has just been so good. This should have been a triple-double. You know, like some guys make some shots that they missed. He gets it. Uh, (laughs) But it's just nice to watch. It's nice to have Utah have a guy running the show that is so hard to defend because Mm -hmm. he is so quick and he's been making brilliant decisions. He goes after rebounds in a way. So many of these players don't, despite the fact that he's shorter than like all of them, (laughs) which is very, he's the shortest, shortest player that played last night. Yeah. Yeah. It's very frustrating to me that he's a better rebounder (laughs) than Brandon Carlson. But aside from that, it's just it's incredible how hard it is to beat Utah at home because I thought Utah played terribly in the first half of this game. Uh, and yet, when they got to the second half, it was tied. And at that point, I think if you'd asked any Utah fan, they would have been extremely confident in a win because Utah is I, I like would be shocked to hear that they've lost any second home uh, second half at home this season. Uh, just it feels like it's a deluge the entire time. I was impressed by Colorado for mounting a few comebacks in the second half, uh, making it stressful the entire time. One thing I want to talk about aside from Utah is Tristan Da Silva. My God, he was bad. He was so (laughs) bad in this game. Oh, he does that. He does that uh, (laughs) far too often. He, let me read out his stat. He had 10 points, five fouls. So he fouled out, uh, two turnovers, zero assists, uh, he was three of fifteen shooting. God, just, just stank up the place. A better game <laughs> from him. Maybe Colorado breaks Utah's home winning streak. But 
that's a quad win for a quad one win for Utah, like you said. And uh, I I can't quit this team. Like like I get so close thinking, you know what? This isn't a tournament team. They are too bad on the road. They don't rebound well enough despite being so big. Uh, offensively, they don't have enough options. But like, just they have a game like this that was just really fun to watch in the second half. And I'm back in on them being like a threat for a run in March. It's uh, it's been a fun season. <gasps> yeah, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a hell of a season for Utah. You're saying <laughs> all this now. They, we talk Utah up when they play in the home. We'll see what they do on the yep. road. Um, but to your point about the home road splits, yeah, they have not lost the second half at home this season. Um, they've outscored their opponent every single game at home in the second half. Utah as, as a second half team is it's, and it's fun to watch too, right? It's like, it feels like an avalanche sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, not in this game, but in other games, it feels like, oh shit, like Gabe Matson's hitting shots now. Now he's hitting another shot. And then you've got Brandon Carlson who's hitting shots. He didn't hit many shots. No, uh, against, yeah, he wasn't great either. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cole Bajamo will give you a th- right, and and Utah just kind of does that in the second half, and it just feels like you sort of lose hope. <laughs> like at some point, it's like, oh, they took control of this game. They dare you to take it back. Um, and Colorado, to their credit, did fight. Uh, they they did a good job of fighting, but Utah did a magnificent job uh, defensively. I thought, uh, especially. You know, in the start of the first half, I think they kind of uh, – <laughs> they were up 10, I think, with like two minutes to go. I think Colorado cut it to like three within a flash. Uh, but aside from that, I think they they played magnificently. Uh, I'm I'm really curious to know if Raleigh Wooster – he, he's coming back this season, right? Like he's not, he's not out for the year. I think it's just tweaked. Do you know? Um, He was wearing a boot for a while. I I – I don't know when he's back. I think Utah's pretty opaque about that, but uh, I, I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I guess we'll find out when he comes back. If he comes back, if he comes back, I don't know. He might have lost the starting point guard job anyway. Um, it might have to be Davon Smith, and he's getting reps now. Now he's getting the opportunity to kind of improve. And he, mm-hmm. he did. He was a little bit sloppy at seven turnovers, but it's it's fine. I mean, he's also uh, you know playing a huge role as a as a shot creator for himself. So. Um, great stuff. Him, Lawson Lovering too, uh, had a pretty good game. Uh, his defense was was solid in this one, and I think that contributed a little bit to Tristan De Silva having as poor of a game as he does. And Tristan De Silva does this. I mean, he is an up and down player. I think many people had him pegged as the Pac-12 Player of the Year front runner preseason. I think he is very much not that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll probably get you know all conference first team, maybe the second team. Um, but he just has too many games where he disappears. He has too many games where it's like he's either not shooting well uh, and is not giving you much defensively. Sometimes it looks like he gives up. It looks like he gave up during some stretches in this game, uh, which is tough. That's tough to watch. But KJ Simpson had a game, so that's great for Colorado if they have at least one of those players going. But um, they need a little bit more of that, uh, more than that, on the road against Utah. Um, looking forward and outwards towards Utah. How are you feeling about the next uh, couple weeks here, Greg? Cautiously optimistic. I keep thinking that each road trip is going to be the one where they fix their shit. You know, I keep thinking that and I keep being wrong. Uh, This isn't, of course, a road trip coming up. They're hosting Arizona and then Arizona State as well, of course. 
I, I mean, it, I'm, I will not bet against them at home. I will pick them to win every home game they play, and a win over Arizona is good. That's for... what I was going to say. Next game is, is uh, <laughs> yeah. they got Arizona at home. Now, Arizona, uh, also a bad road team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I just I can't pick against Utah at home. A win against Arizona is really good for the resume. Uh, should be good for their net rating. ASU, if you can avenge that pathetic loss earlier in the season, that would be nice. I'm more worried about on the road at USC the week after just because <laughs> of the way this team plays on the at home versus on the road, even with USC being kind of stinky this year. Yeah, well, USC just did beat the shit out of Oregon State by 30, so we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll that's see. True. Reed, what, did you, what do you think about Utah? How do you feel about Utah going forward now? Honestly, I have a tough time figuring out Utah. I always like look at, <laughs> I look at fucking you know Lenardi streets. I'm like, this is the team that seems like a lock to be in the tournament. Like they're not even on the bubble in a lot of these. No, um, this is the hardest schedule Utah's played in the Pac-12 era. That's interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. But they, I think that's why they're a lock. They just, <laughs> they just win at home and lose on the road. Like I can't. <laughs> they beat St. Mary's I, on the road. I even like you know they like, did. Yes, they did. Yeah, true. I guess. But I tune in. and I'm like, what's what is this team's identity supposed to be? Okay, let, let's watch some Brendan Carlson. Dude has five points in the game. Like I'm like, who's the who's the first teamer on this Utah team? Who's the yeah. who's the identity? Because the dude I just showed up to watch it, is, has disappeared. Um, I agree with what you said. Like I think they. They do just play well at home. They do have a lot of role players. Um, I agree with what you said on Davion Smith. And obviously, Gabe Matson is like capable of having a special performance. But I don't know. Is he a top 10 player in the Pac-12 this year? Probably not, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, Brandon Carson was felt like a top 10 player in the Pac-12 for stretches. But I feel like he just he, he just, also has some of these games where he disappears. He's fallen off a lot recently, which yeah. is a shame. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's odd. I, I keep like struggling to think how they get done and yet for the entire second half of this game i was i i never doubted that utah was going to win like at all it was that that entire second half they controlled it even when it got close late i just was like utah's gonna pull this out they just seem um a lot more comfortable so the difference in like comfort level for utah versus home versus on the road is incredible because at home you can feel they have complete confidence they're gonna win and on the road, it just feels like, all right, they're going to blow this one. Even if they if, even if they manage to get a lead, I have zero confidence in them keeping that lead. It's so funny to watch. Yeah. God, so interesting. And Arizona at Utah next Thursday is, I mean, that's must-watch television just to, I mean, you've got like Utah's like being a juggernaut at home and Arizona's supposed to be a juggernaut and Arizona maybe is a little bit pissed off right now about its whole situation and maybe being a little disrespected. I don't know. I'm, I'm dying to know what happens in that game. Absolutely dying. Uh, on the Colorado side, another tough road loss for them. Uh, Colorado has lost uh, two in a row now. They had one, They had come into um, last week having won four in a row, but they're now, what is this, five, four, and five over their last nine. Um, so I, we'll see what Colorado does. They are on the bubble themselves. Um, I think they are in the first four out. No, they're in the next four out. Hmm. Um, that'll almost certainly go down now. They will almost certainly be in a worse position, which is hard because 
And also weird because they are 22nd in Ken Palm and they're like 29th or something in the net rankings. Um, but these losses have just kind of kept piling up on them. So we'll see how they uh, how they do. They've got um, I don't know a decent schedule to close the season. So we'll find out find out what they do. Um, okay, well let's take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Juju Watkins going absolutely n- nuclear. We'll talk about Stanford women's basketball in the mud and much more. Don't go anywhere. No Truck Stops is proud to endorse Homefield as the only brand for college football and basketball consumers who watch teams outside their own. I can speak from experience. Over this past football season, Homefield allowed me to stay in fashion with my evolving rooting interests. In the preseason, I wore this Oski shirt to boast my cow curiosity. When Colorado started off hot, I threw on this beautiful Buffs shirt to commemorate my lifelong fandom. And even in the 11th hour with Washington on the doorstep of a national title, I threw on this Arizona State shirt and the bad vibes from Tempe came through. And of course, now with football season over, I've stocked up on my Oregon gear like this shirt as we enter the chase for the offseason natty. No matter the team, you can be confident in the same soft and comfortable home field quality. Use code NOTRUCKSTOPS23 to assemble your own collection of hats, shirts, hoodies, joggers, and bomber jackets at homefieldapparel.com. All right, we're back. Let's get through this really quick. Greg has to go in three hours. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Let's talk some women's hoops. Juju Watkins made history on Friday night. She scored 51 of USC's 67 points in the Trojans win over number four Stanford at Maples Pavilion. Juju Watkins now has the USC record for most points in a single game. No other USC player had scored 50 since 1989. On top of that, she scored 76% of USC's point total. 76% of points, USC's points, came from Juju Watkins. That is the highest for any D1 basketball player in 25 years. This game was absurd, but lost so much in it was uh, Juju Watkins' brilliance here. Um, Greg Reed, any thoughts? Juju Watkins is the best college basketball player I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel I feel comfortable saying that. Uh, there are a few others, but but nobody who can score like that 51 points what what did you say the percentage was like 76% 76% of their of of, of uh, USC's, USC's total point. points yeah just ridiculous absurd skill i don't understand how she does it but uh it's very fun to watch she's incredible read any thoughts about juju watkins and her explosion yeah it was it was ridiculous um we were debating in the group chat, like, is this paper worthy? Cause she had the 51 white piece, white paper, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, well, absolutely. Well, it is absolutely yeah, paper worthy. Want- we're getting too many of these Wilt Chamberlain paper things. We got Tyrese Maxey in the NBA doing it for 50. Get the fuck out of here. Juju Watkins deserves that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. This wasn't, this wasn't stat padding. This was like, she needed those. They needed and it. Put it with yeah. the team on her back. I mean, it was, it was just ridiculous. I don't, 
it, it you don't see this in real games like this was a video game shit like you just pick one player and you're like oh i'm i'm fucking around with my buddy i'm just gonna i'm just gonna score all my points with this player this time you know and that's what juju did in a real game like outside of her and Mackenzie forbes the rest of the team had four points Holy <laughs> shit, I did not see that. Yeah, I mean, I just saw Mackenzie Forbes like, damn, yeah. 51 in the 12. But then, yeah, only Raya Marshall and Claire, uh, Clarissa Kunwafu at any points. That's why. Yeah, it was it was wild. But, like, to have that also translate to winning basketball and beating, you know, a Stanford team that we talked about might be a little fraudulent at the number four ranking. But, like, it translates to beating still a top four team. It wasn't, like, empty stats at all. Um it, she mm-hmm. needed to do it, and it ended up winning the game. So incredibly impressive. And and on the road too against the number four team. Like I think that I, and you know I don't know I'm not gonna I, I won't whine about the Pac-12 networks this week. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it alone this week. But I think it just added to the lore of like it wasn't just that she scored 51 of USC 67 points in a random game. She did it against the number four team in the country on the road in Maples Pavilion against what is purported to be the the front runner for national defensive player of the year in Cameron Brink went at her several times. Oh, Cameron Brink got the best of her a couple there, but Juju Watkins, for the most part, that that was her night um, against Cameron Brink whenever that she, she was attacking the basket. Um, Juju Watkins is like, I think the Juju Watkins started the season really, really hot um, and had an absurd start to her season. I think she cooled off in Pac-12 play when it started. She was getting a lot of points, but she was also, you know, shooting a lot of shots. I think I thought it was, I think it's been, she's been derided a little bit for being kind of inefficient this season in Pac-12 play. That's sort of what happens when you're the only offensive option for your team. And no disrespect to the rest of the USC players, she kind of is the only off- only sig- a significant offensive option for USC. I am shocked that even like Mackenzie Forbes and Kayla Padilla did not get as many shots as they probably could have. I mean, Mackenzie Forbes did get 18 shots, but Kayla Padilla, uh, uh, supposed to be a knockdown shooter, had one shot this whole game. How is that possible? Like, I just don't understand how that's possible. Um and so much of it is maybe Juju Watkins maybe needs to trust her teammates a little bit more, but I think more of it is that the ball they're better off with juju Watkins taking the shot than caleb Padilla, if i'm being honest um i think juju Watkins, um she what she did was also just impressive because stanford was hell-bent on stopping her like there is no and that's that's the game plan on usc there is no other defensive game plan other than ball denial with juju Watkins, uh force her to be 40 feet away from the basket uh or double team her like just do any of those things right um and Juju had her way. Didn't matter. She kicked their ass anyway. She still got 51 points on off an absurdly, a ruthlessly efficient 14 for 26. 51 points off 26 shots is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of that is just that she puts a lot of pressure on defenses when she decides to put her head down and drive. She's putting a lot of pressure on defenses. She's putting a lot of pressure on the refs to make calls. Um, she's uh, creating something for herself. And and in times when other USC players are stepping up, creates things for others. Um, but Stanford was trying like hell to get to do anything to stop Juju. And it didn't matter. She had 51 points anyway off um, off 14 for 26 shooting. It was a magical performance. I'm I'm so upset that more people didn't get to see this. 
Um, because it it's like legendary. This is the kind of shit where like this is one of the greatest college basketball performances of mm-hmm. all time. Again, because of the circumstances, because they needed it. It wasn't a 51 points and they won by 20. It was 51 points and they barely escaped. Um, Stanford looked like they had a had an opportunity there. So I don't know. I mean, I um, I think the thing I love, the thing I've learned to, you know, I've been watching, you know, I've, I've sort of been watching as a casual uh, Pac-12 women's basketball fan the past, you know, three years or so. But this is the first year where I've like feel like I've dug myself into it. And the thing that just is so much fun about it is that like, one player really can dominate and change the complexion of a game the way that I don't think that's true for like kind of in the NBA actually, but not like in, in men's basketball on the men's side, mm-hmm. right. Is you have a player who can just take over and win a game by her goddamn self. Um, you just have someone who's so much better than everyone else and can do that. So it was a fun game to watch. It was like, it looked like Stanford was going to be able to cut this lead. They got it down to about two or three late. And every time Juju Watkins responded by putting her head down, getting into the paint, and making something happen. In addition to a couple of ridiculous three-point shots, she's so fucking versatile. She is absurdly versatile. And she's big. She's tall. She has length. It's it's uh, scary to watch. I'm I She is figuring it out, I think, in real time and figured it out against one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, anyway, so that was uh, Juju Watkins' side of it. I'm really excited to see her for the rest of the season now like has she figured this out how our team's going to defend her she's had a a a range of really great performances uh any other thoughts about uh juju Watkins and usc just that if you if your teammates combine for 16 points and you win you deserve to do the wilt paper thing. I think so. <laughs> 16 points. 16 points for the entire team outside of you. And you won. <laughs> um, yeah, you absolutely deserve the, the wilt paper thing. I also think she's got a real argument. Prob- I think this game alone, she's had some other great games. But this game alone has probably vaulted her into like Pac-12 Player of the Year frontrunner status. Um, Alyssa Peely, I think... It's interesting. Alyssa Peely does. She hasn't scored. I don't think Alyssa Peely scored fifty-one. Um, and certainly not like this. No way. No way. Um, but like in, in the same vein, Alyssa Peely is like carrying Utah's offense and has to be that way. Be that USC is the same way, except USC is is, is also now winning a lot of games. Utah's won a bunch of games too. Um, and and she now has the signature performance. Like this is like. This is the kind of performance that should vault you into the national player of the year conversation. If I'm being honest. And this is the kind of performance that I think would put her above a Caitlin Clark for me. I mean, I know Caitlin Clark has been nuclear. I know she had a 49-point game earlier this season. But, like, this is otherworldly from Juju Watkins and and the ways in which she can do it. And on top of that, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin Clark's a great player. Like, there's no no shade to her whatsoever. She's a great offensive player. Juju Watkins is a fucking ridiculous defender. Uh, like you can stick her on the other team's best defender, and she's gonna she's gonna do a good job. She's gonna figure it out. Um, she had four steals in this game. Um, it felt like she had a lot more than that. Her defense, she's a damn good defender um, in a way that I think Caitlin Clark is not. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned Alyssa Peely like as like the competition for Pac-12 Player of the Year, Carlos for Juju Watkins. I think the defense is the biggest difference. Like, yes, that's absolutely. What, that's what makes it definitive for me is just like, they're both great offensive players. Juju Watkins is scoring like five points, probably more per game. I would say 
but also the gap between them on defense. Like, I don't think Alyssa Peely is a good defender, and Juju Watkins, like you said, is a great defender. I think just such a complete player. Yeah, it's uh, an absurd, absurd player. I And here's the thing. She's a true freshman, and uh, if you know anything about uh, women's hoops, she's got another two years at USC before she can declare to the NBA, the WNBA. Some people are saying that the WNBA should change its rules just for Juju Watkins to get her in. Uh, they said it about Kaylin Clark, too. Did they? <laughs> I feel um, like I remember those conversations. Yeah, I do. I Yeah, so probably they probably won't do that, which is great for us because we get to see Juju Watkins do this for two more years. Decent um, chance she breaks Caitlin Clark's scoring record, too. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, at this point, with the way that she's scoring right now as a true mm-hmm. freshman, it's it's absolutely on the table. She would absolutely be on pace to do that. I, I, I hope that's the case. I think she's unbelievable. Um, and I know maybe I'm doing more rival simping, but <laughs> I, I don't, who cares? Juju Watkins is just unbelievable, play, an unbelievable player. It is unfortunate uh, that Caitlin Clark will be gone from Iowa before USC gets uh, to the big 10 because of Caitlin Clark, uh, Caitlin Clark, Juju Watkins game for like a conference title. Oh man, that would be so fun. My God. Um, well, we'll see uh, people are talking about, uh, Hannah Hidalgo at Notre Dame is doing similar stuff as a true freshman. So well, maybe we'll see, we'll see some stuff there between those two. It'd be, it'd be great if they got a, um, got a, got a, a schedule going there between them uh, on the Stanford side. Uh, Stanford's looking a little fraudulent this morning. <laughs> um, I, I we, we have talked, I have talked, many people have talked about, uh, Stanford's guards, being not good and and not contributing to what Stanford has been doing and maybe being the weakest point on this team. I think that was blatantly obvious here. Uh, Talana Lapolo, I think sometimes flashes and looks like a a good player, but had absolutely nothing going against USC. She had two points, 0 for 2 shooting. Like she had two shots in this game. Hannah Jump was fine, um, but didn't but. You know, ten points, four for seven. She was, she was okay. She was fine. Um, and in addition to that, though, Cameron Brink looked not good defense offensively. Uh, she's she looked incredible defensively. I think she is very clearly the best defensive player in college basketball. But offensively, she struggled. Uh, she struggled mightily in this game um, against Raya Marshall, um, against some of other USC's other bigs. She did not look good in this game, um, and that has nothing to do with JoJo Watkins. That was that's entirely on Cameron Brink, and she has these games too. She's had several of these games already, where it's like, man, Cameron Brink, what's going on with her offensively? It doesn't look good right now, um, and and it's been kind of concerning. I think I'm not really sure if there's something going on there, or if she just hasn't been maybe not as adept offensively as some people might think. Kiki Uriafin, I think, has actually been Stanford's best offensive player. If I'm being honest, if I'm having a hot take there. Someone's going to yell at me about it, but she didn't even have a great game in this game. Uh, USC's defense just did its job. I think that was for as little as USC's players uh, around Juju Watkins are giving offensively. They gave a lot back defensively, uh, and that has been true all season. I think they're a really good defensive team. Their strategy is we're going to like try to suffocate you and choke you out and then hope Juju Watkins is the one who's delivering all of the final blows, um, and that's what they did. So Stanford is... It, we'll see today they play ucla uh ucla will be without lauren betts again i assume so we'll see how that works out that's going to be a big game but 
I'm I I think it's I think it's time to worry a little bit about Stanford. If I'm being honest. Um, any other thoughts about Stanford USC? Okay. All right. Um, yeah. I, uh, let's get to the. We have any other games? Any other games? Big games? I just sort of have just going to rapid fire. Any other big games we need to talk about? Washington State winning. It's great for them to beat UW in the Apple Cup in overtime. Um, they didn't. Wish I'd seen that game. Yeah, it was a. It seemed to be an electric game. I was uh, watching the UCLA Oregon game, um, but Isaac Jones had a great game. Miles Rice. Miles Rice looks like you know, the Pac-12 Player of the Year race kind of looks very open right now to me. I can't think. Does anyone know of a front runner? KJ Pro- Simpson, maybe. Maybe KJ Simpson. I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's if that's a front runner. I think it's a wide open race then. Yeah. Miles Rice is in that conversation. I think for sure. Uh, I think he's been fantastic this uh, this season. Um, and a great story too. I think it would just be a great story if, like all all things being equal, give it to the guy who beat cancer nine months ago. Uh, you know, twelve months ago. That's a great point. You know, why not? Not even just as a charity thing. He like is absolutely deserving of it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. if everything's equal, if you're like, yeah, who knows? You know, get him on rise. Give it to KJ Simpson. One of these guys was doing chemo nine months ago. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been great. Uh, great stuff from Washington State. Washington is in the mud. All right. Well. That is our talk of the biggest games this weekend. Let's go on to the rest of them. Rapid fire. All right. We got several games here. I'll just rattle them off. Cal beat Arizona State in Tempe. Uh, This game was a breakout game from Cal. Cal. Uh, was doing it whatever it wanted. Fardaz Amak, again, another fantastic performance from him. Jalen Tyson, Jalen Cohn. Um, incredible performance from Cal. They beat the shit out of Arizona State. USC bounces back quite nicely. Uh, they beat the shit out of Oregon State. Oregon State looked like they were trying to maybe figuring some stuff out. They had a close game against UCLA. Maybe they had started to look like a real team. And then they get their ass kicked by USC. Bronny James got his first start of the season. So did Aaron Tim Page. Um, and Bronny, Bronny James did a did a nice job, but uh, the the contributions were for from everywhere for USC. Um, and then going back to Thursday, Arizona beat the shit out of Cal, returning the favor there after for Cal beating Arizona State. Stanford also beat Arizona State. Arizona State in the mud right now, 0-2 this um, this trip, but just looking kind of poopy. Uh, UCLA beat Oregon State in a close one. We talked a little bit about that. And then Oregon beat USC in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, for the women's game, UCLA beat Cal by 20. That game was never really all that close. Cal in some ugly pink uniforms that I did not enjoy watching. Um, Utah beat Washington. 83-65. Great game from uh, the Moose there. And then Colorado escaped a close, gutty win against Washington State in Pullman. The Buffs managed to go unscathed there. We'll see how they do today. They play Washington uh, in Seattle uh, as the second part of that game. So we will find out. Any uh, thoughts from any of those games? Any of the teams here that you're thinking about? I think Arizona State is dead. I think USC is probably dead. Um, like Arizona State, by the way, has lost uh, six of the last seven. Yeah, after starting four and zero in Pac-12. I think USC is the same as well. I don't, I don't know about how they started, but well, USC just lost, won. Yeah, I think they've lost six of seven, though. I think they lost six straight going lost. into that. Um, that's correct. Yeah, they had lost that's six right. So both those teams are dead. Oregon State, I was excited about for a while. They have some fun pieces, but I'm, I'm not sure that they're making another run. 
Mm-hmm. Cal's exciting, though. What would you guys say? Cal's fun. Yeah. Cal's- Cal might be the Oregon State this year exactly. if that happens. What would you all say? I wanted to ask this going into this week. Like, Arizona's odds to win the Pac-12 tournament. Would you bet? You'd bet the field over Arizona? Obviously. By a mile. Like, yeah. you, By a mile. Like, 30% Arizona wins it? Less. Really? I mean, I'd say hovering around 30, but probably a little below. I'd say, I'd say 15. I mean, 15, 20. Like, the thing is, is that we have talked about it. Like, everywhere from one to now, maybe if you if we want to say Arizona State and USC are dead, uh, and we want to say Washington is dead, one to eight look anywhere from dangerous to very, very good sometimes, right? It's like Arizona. I, I'm questioning whether the best team in the Pac-12, I already sort of talked about that. Washington State, damn good. They're fucking dangerous. No one should want to play them right now. Oregon, talented as hell. Um, you know, flawed, but talented. They can get electric. Stanford's weird. Uh, I think that they, they're they not good, but I think they're weird and they have enough talent. Colorado and Utah, we talked about them. Big home merchants. If you're playing them at home, you're fucked. Um, if you get them on the road, maybe you might be fine. Who knows what it looks like in Vegas? Uh, it's going to maybe be somewhere in the middle. Arizona UCLA. makes Vegas a home game, though. Like That's true. That's true. UCLA uh, looking like they might be back. And then Cal is like, they've been awesome this season. Um, they have been flat out fun and interesting. Uh, they are 4-5, five, 5-3 five and three over their last eight in Pac-12 play. They're 5-6 and six in Pac-12 play. They're not They're not far off from a first-round first round bye. So... I don't know, Reed. <laughs> I think one the thing with Arizona is do any other teams have like conference title winning experience? Like have people who've been there in those moments? Because Arizona does, and I think that matters. Arizona does, and it does matter. I mean, but who, right? I'm trying to figure out they I guess Pella Larson. Umar Balo. Umar Balo. Pella Larson. Uh is there Kylan Boswell was there last year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Caleb Love's playing, a big you know, game seven minutes. Caleb Love Caleb won Love a national a... title. Yeah. Well no, went he didn't to a national, national title, title, but yes. Oh yes. Did, yeah, yeah, that's they didn't end up True. Um no, I, I I agree with that, but I also think Arizona is just kind of shaky this season. I don't know. I I <laughs> Modern I'm, day Gonzaga is going to miss the tournament, Matt. Yes. Uh, well, well, <laughs> well, think I about what, where Tommy Lloyd is going. Where Gonzaga's gone to Tommy <laughs> yeah. Lloyd love. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think that's absolutely a good point. I don't know. I think this is going to be a very fun Pac-12 tournament. That like even the so bottom fun. four. Like we're going to get we're going to get maybe if the season ended right now, like an Arizona Stanford didn't play it today. We get Arizona Washington State Oregon Stanford in the top four as a buy, which. By the way, fucking absurd f- top four. <laughs> Don't know how we got there. Here we are. That means that we're getting Colorado versus Oregon State uh, on Wednesday. Utah Could versus USC. Utah versus USC <laughs> on Wednesday. UCLA versus Washington. Ah, eh, whatever. Cal, Arizona State all on Wednesday. That's going to be a blast. That that day is going to be so much fun. Uh, I'm hoping I'm, this is going to be weird. I don't know, Reed. I, I don't. I think if this were last year, I'd probably give them even a higher percentage than this year. And UCLA was standing in their way. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Any other thoughts about uh, any of these teams here? Shout out Wazoo. Right. I, we're not, I don't think we're mentioning enough that they're like going to make this. They're trending towards making the tournament right now. They're trending. Yeah. To, they should and, be in, yeah. honestly. Um, making the tournament at Wazoo traditionally means that you get 
a fantastic job elsewhere, though. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> that's unfortunate for them, but good good for Kyle Smith, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hope I hope not because he has done a magnificent job at Washington State. Uh, as much as I I find Kyle Smith. Uh, to be annoying sometimes and the and the you know wazoo fans love to hype up every single coach they've ever had but they he's done a great job this year this i mean he might win pac-12 coach of the year honestly um he probably should if they make a tournament they are six and one over their last seven they're seven and two over their last nine they're seven and four in pac-12 play right now um they have one of the best defenses they have top three defense in the country pro in the in the conference probably um they rebound like motherfuckers they are uh they've got like scores in miles rice um and even isaac jones a little bit as a big there they're balanced they're really 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 well balanced and on top of that they just look so much different than they ever have right typically what they what kyle smith likes to do prefers to do is like have a team that shoots a bunch of threes and um you know takes a lot of interior shots they're not shooting any threes this year. Um, they're like bottom, I think, 30 in the country in three-point attempts per per field goal attempts. Um, so I don't know. I, it's been a fascinating – it's been fascinating to watch Kyle Smith completely rejigger that team. Um, and here they are on the cusp of a NCAA tournament bid. They absolutely should be in. They should be in over Gonzaga. Gonzaga shouldn't even be in the bubble. I guess Gonzaga is kind of out right now. Um they are in the they're the first team in the first four outline. So they're right there. I think they should be in. I don't know why they wouldn't be. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, uh, they got some tests. They got at Oregon State at Oregon. At Oregon is going to be interesting. They already beat uh they already lost to Oregon at home. So we'll see how they handle that. And then they get at Arizona at Arizona State. Um and then they have to play UCLA um in Pullman. They get them in Pullman, so we'll see. But yeah, you're right. Uh, I think Washington State absolutely deserves more love. They probably deserve to be talked about as the best team in the Pac-12 right now. And they have a win over Arizona, which no one else has. Well, that's not true. But they have a win over Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right. Well, that's it. That is all we had. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for subscribing. Remember, we've got some Patreon content coming up on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. If you want to hear us induct, who to hear who the inaugural Hall of Fame inductees are for the Pac-12 in football, go check us out. We're going to talk about that. Hey, quick, quick, uh, quick, quick question for you two. Who do you think is going to be the first, first name, first the first name we mention on the Hall of Fame uh, class inductee. I'll, I'll bring in Matt Hubertson here. Matt Hubertson, we're going to do this Patreon episode. Who do you think's first name that goes off the board? Are we going just Pac-12 era? Pac-12 just Pac-12 era. era. No truck stops era. Okay. If just, it's Pac-12 just era, Pac-12 era, Marcus Mariota. Who are you going to throw it to first? <laughs> Who's the one that gets to speak you, first? You, you get to speak first. <laughs> Oh, if I get to speak, it's Tyler Huntley. <laughs> yes. I'm saying no to Tyler Huntley. <laughs> I don't care. That one, so. I'd be knowing that one hard. But yes, it's Marcus Mariota. What are we doing here? You guys are yeah, not, we'll give, we'll I thought it was going to be Caleb Andrew Williams, Lepounce. Carlos. I thought you said far and away <laughs> Caleb Williams had an easy path to breeze past Marcus Mariota, leave him in the dust. He did, and then Lincoln Mariota Riley, Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch interfered. <laughs> 
interfere. I think it should be. I think it should be Tip Kelly. Actually, <laughs> if you really, really look at the bookends of the Pac-12, mm. you can't tell that story with that. Uh, not true. Fucking, fucking hate y'all. <laughs> All right, that's it. Let's get the hell out of here. That's Matt. That's Reed. That's Greg. I'm Carlos. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Pour another glass of wine on the road tonight, I think I'll be a superstar.